You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Good Friday is good. We share those things and say those things because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The Good Friday story is not the end of the story. It is the culmination of the story. As some of my wonderful preachers like to say, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And so to focus only on this one aspect and understand it would be to be short-sighted. But for us, we understand it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And so let me just share a few thoughts for you related to the Savior at this moment. You heard the Bible read and at length, and so I'll simply reference it for you, referencing here Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 31. And I actually like to, when I study the Bible, sort of on occasion, really really kind of a, get into a deep dive. Actually, I'm in chapter, Luke chapter 22, and I'll be in verse 51. But Jesus said no more of this. He touched his ear and healed him. They're speaking about a tremendous sort of uh, tense moment where the soldiers are coming to actually get Jesus. And so here's why I reference this one verse, this one moment where Jesus is going to be unjustly crucified, tortured for our sins, and where the trial about him is just a mock trial. It's a complete sham. It's a joke. And here they're going to arrest him. He's going to be betrayed. And ultimately, his hands are going to be put on a cross about the size of that cross. And his arms will be roped and strapped in to hold his body. And then his hands are going to be pierced. So here at this moment, with all of that stress and all of that drama, Jesus, the last recorded moments really of his hands, as the work of his hands, are to stop nonsense and to stop commotion and, and to actually get down and to reattach this man's ear so that we know this is not how I do business. My kingdom's not of this world. The battle belongs to the Lord. And I actually, as Jesus would say earlier, he's going to say, I am restraining myself because if, if, I, if I don't restrain myself, you'll have no earthly power to put me on the cross. Prophecy can't be fulfilled. So I will actually restrain myself. And I'm going to show you that that kind of violence is nonsense. And so the Bible records some of the last things that Jesus is doing with his hands is to bend down and pick up a severed ear and stick it on the guy's head that he might be healed, that we might know our Savior is that kind of a healer. And I don't know what you need in terms of a healing, Certainly for some of us, it's our physical body. Maybe there's a disease or an illness that's quite serious. Maybe you've met with a doctor and they've taken the blood test or you've had the exam and you've heard words that you weren't ready to hear and you're humbled and sobered by this. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's a body. Maybe it's a soul. I'm not going to reference it with any kind of... Uh, specificity, but I, I was thinking about this 
very troubled relationship I had with my earthly father and admitting that I, I, he went to the grave and it seems that there was a last minute testimony with him actually giving his life to Christ and I rejoice about that. But I wrote this poem that really just is, a, I called it Son of Sorrow because here is this man that I never knew. I didn't really know my father. Maybe you could relate to some degree. Maybe you've actually journeyed in this lifetime and you didn't know your dad. Maybe he took off when he was young or maybe he was around but not of an emotional stripe and color where you could know him. Hey, let's, let's go do this and let's go do that. I was not the kind of family that I was nurtured in. And so, so on occasion, I find myself in moments of sorrow. Maybe it's a soul sorrow that you have that way where Christ needs to come because he's actually that son of sorrow. He's, he's actually like a magnet to sorrow. He takes our sorrows to himself and he places it on the cross because anything that's placed on the cross is going to die. And because it's going to die, there will actually be a death and that sorrow will be turned to life because there'll be a third day resurrection where that life will come back. And so I don't walk around planet Earth crippled to sorrow, and neither do you. Neither do those of us who call upon the Lord. So we can confess our sorrows, we can admit our sorrows, but we do not walk on cripple, as cripples on life, crippled by sorrow. We can actually run and not be weary. We can walk and not be faint. And so I'm touched by Jesus here where the Bible is going to say no more of this is what Jesus does, says. And he touched his ear and healed him. And he's going to have that as the last work that he does with his actual hands. So great is our Savior. Speaking about some of the last things, I think about Jesus' last words. Referencing Luke chapter 23 right now, verse 24. So in Jesus' last words on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I want you to repeat those words out loud with me. I'm going to say the word, and you're going to say it out loud. Father, Father forgive, them, forgive them, for they know not, they know what, they do. what they do. Father, Father forgive, them, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's been beaten within an inch of his life. The description is rather crude and gross. Oddly enough, the movie, Mel Gibson's movie, and I have no idea where Mel Gibson's with Jesus, but that movie, that violent portrayal, that nasty, offensive portrayal of a body filleted, of the cat of nine tails scraping a back, you would have to take a knife to someone's back and just kind of go like this to get an understanding of the crude and gross nature of the torture and the suffering. To say nothing of the purpose is not physical, it's actually spiritual. Spiritual. Jesus will take the sin of the entire human race. The Bible calls this the new Adam. Read the book of Romans if you have no reference to it. This new Adam is Jesus, God in human flesh, and he's going to take all of the sin to himself. That's the reason why this is happening. And he will bury it in the grave and be resurrected to a new life so that your sin and suffering can be buried in a grave and resurrected to a new life, so that the sorrow of your soul 
and the pain of your body can die that death to be resurrected again. So his words, his words, Good Friday is good. Why is it good? The last things our Savior does with his hands is to heal. The last words out of his mouth, he's being mocked. He's being tortured. He can barely breathe. He's taking on the sin of the world. Is to utter that phrase that I had you say out loud. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that prayer would be answered. That's why we have forgiveness. That prayer would be answered. You and I can now walk knowing that we're liberated from shame and from guilt. I think about Jesus on Good Friday is good, the nature of betrayal. I think if I were to ask you, I've done this at church on a couple occasions, have you ever been betrayed in life? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, everybody raise your hand, right? I've never, I've never seen, no, I've never, I've never been betrayed. Or you know, you haven't lived. You haven't lived very long. Maybe you're seven years old. Maybe you can say that. But even on the playground, kids betray each other. To our, our, our humanity, our human race, people betray one another in, in terrible ways for the most shallow of reasons, for money, for spite, for jealousy, for addiction, for selfishness, for all of those reasons. And many, many more that could be said. The human race betrays the human race for all the sins under the world. And so here's the Savior, having done nothing wrong, having lived a perfect life, having healed people, having healed people that were died and dead like Lazarus, and resurrected them from, back from the dead, having demonstrated divinity by, oh yeah, walking on water. How's that one? Yeah, let's go walk with Jesus, you know. I, Peter, Master, can I walk on water with you? Sure, sure. That, that, if, that would not be my response. I think most of our responses would be, you sure you could do it? <laughs> Seriously, because, you know, really, I, like, I'm really God, like I'm really divine, you know, so that's actually why I'm standing here. So you got it in you, Peter? You sure? You sure about that? Really? You want to you play with the big boys? You want to be over here? Like, that's how I would tend to handle That would be our humanity, sort of to qualify it, to quantify it, to make it, as we say in spiritual religious terms, quasi-legalistic. Jesus says, you want to dance with me on water? Sure, come on. That one who did nothing wrong is betrayed and put on the cross. His best follower, Peter, is over in a corner denying the Savior in front of a girl. Has he ever been betrayed? In those terrible ways that humans betray one another? So Jesus takes that betrayal and he buries it in his death to give a brand new life a resurrected life. We're in the kingdom of God and in the economy of God, there's no more betrayal. Christians don't operate like that. It's not who we are because it's not who our Savior is. It's not who we are because that's not what our God has called us to. I think about this 
And I don't have many more thoughts, and then we'll pray. But I think about Jesus' crown of, uh, of thorns and the shame associated with it. So Jesus has his crown of thorns, but truthfully, he has a divine crown. Paul, in talking about this in the book of Philippians, will simply say, if you don't get anything about this, you know, Paul's very unique because if you know much about your Bible, Paul wrote so much of the New Testament. And so Paul, in his writings, are constantly, constantly defending Jesus' deity, whereas John, the apostle, the, the one who's, who's, you know, rubbing up against Jesus at, and, and kind of cozying up to him at the Last Supper has 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And his writings are to remind us a little bit of his humanity. And so it's fascinating, these two apostles being put together. Paul writing about this says that if you don't understand anything about Jesus' divinity and his deity, then know this, every knee, every single knee in the entire human race, it will bow. You understand that? Every tongue, Paul will say, every single tongue, every single tongue, it will confess. And that knee that bows and that tongue will confess will simply say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hell, misunderstanding of so many writers, is not filled with people who are trying to give God an obscene gesture. Oh, I got one over on you, God. I'm in hell. Nanner, nanner, nanner. Not at all. That is a confession in hell of Jesus Christ as Lord, but it is too late. It was not God's will or desire that someone goes there, but it is what will happen to those who deny Christ. And here is Jesus with this crown of thorns. And with this crown of thorns, he looks at this thief on the cross and he's being mocked. And my human reaction, and I dare say your human reaction, would be just enough of this, people. Could you just, like, really? And then the thief on the cross turns, and one of them mocks him, the Bible says. And then another one says, why are you giving this guy a hard time? He's done nothing right. We're the thief. And so, how about this, Jesus? Will you remember me when you, you know, when you come into your kingdom? And our humanity, barely able to breathe, suffered, tortured, barely having a mind, would tend to say, you know what? I've done enough. I mean, if you didn't believe on the walking on water, and by the way, go talk to the people in Capernaum because I did it all right around there, okay? And then, you know, this turning loaves into bread, by the way, I did that twice. And I came here into the temple and was teaching, and you were being a thief of all things. And then, of course, I had a restraint. You know, I'm just done. Is that you? That's not the Savior, though. Looks at him. You want me? You want a piece of me? Sure. You'll be with me in paradise today. What did this thief do? Was he baptized in water? Did he repent of his sin? Did he give all the money back? Did he make every single wrong right? No, he received what we call in theology the manifold grace of God. A grace of God that could never be repaid, never be paid back, that is so undeserving it's almost offensive to consider, and yet God considers it righteous and good because his name is glorified. So this crown of thorns 
which hurts me to see on my Savior's head, which humanity would try and make shame. The Bible tells us in Hebrews he scorned that shame. Jesus, as the master, was never the victim. Never at all. So I don't know how you're walking through the human race. I don't know how you're walking in life. I don't know what is in the mental framework of your mind. But if Christ is in you, you're never the victim. I'm not saying you don't have bad days. Your pastor has bad days. And I have bad moments inside of good days. I many, many, many good days. And yet I go, oh, yeah, that was kind of a tough moment. You know why? Because we're human. You know who understands our humanity better than we do? Jesus. And so his victory and his, his reality where he was never victimized, he was always the master, then that life inside us grants to us an ongoing habitual and perpetual victory where every single obstacle before us is one that will bring them glory because there is another side. There is a top of the mountain and there is another side. For Christians, if we even lose our health, and someday our bodies will kind of tap out, we still win. We go to heaven. You're going to like heaven. No, you're going to love heaven. No, you're going to rejoice in heaven. No, you're going to be glorified in heaven. No, you're going to dance in heaven, be rewarded in heaven, worship in heaven, journey in heaven. It will absolutely blow your mind, and it should. Heaven. So Good Friday is good. The actual foundation of our faith. I want to read a quote or two, and then I'm going to pray. I love this little book. I have this little book. It was gifted to me by my good friend. And uh, it's, uh, it's called The Loveliness of Christ. And it's about 600 years old or so. There's a man by the name of Samuel Rutherford who was actually in prison for preaching the gospel in Europe. And so um, this young man, he was a prolific writer, so he'd write letters to his churches just like the apostles did. And they couldn't, they couldn't escape persecution fast enough, so they basically said, okay, give us Pastor Rutherford's cliff notes. Give us the cliff notes. So they sort of wheedled, whittled, wheedled, wheedled, whittled, <laughs> whittled his cliff notes into sort of a quote book, and then that's how the church in Europe sort of passed around some biblical thoughts. It's called The Loveliness of Christ. It's fantastic. And so he has one line here that he says, There is no sweeter fellowship with Christ than to bring our wounds and our sores to him. Amen? He goes on to say, Wants are my best riches, for I have these supplied by Christ. The last one I'll give to you is this great quote here from Samuel Rutherford who says, I hope to overhope and overbelieve my troubles. You got some troubles? Then hope and overhope. Overhope. Help me, Lord Jesus. Do you have troubles? Then overbelieve. Because Christ in you cannot deny himself. According to 2 Timothy. Good Friday is good. For us to stop the middle of our day. 
to church, love and encourage one another, to ponder the truth and the reality of the cross, to let the middle of our, to let our day be disturbed. One of the reasons why I like doing service like this in the middle of the day, because it, it disturbs us. What do you mean? I got to get off work. I got to come. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like to poke at church sometimes. I go say, well, do you take a day off to go to on vacation? Do you stop your day to go on a vacation and get to the airport early? Then how about you do your soul a favor and stop and take a few moments off of work and sit with Christ? And watch what he'll do with that. Allow me to pray. So Lord Jesus, I pray now this moment as we stop God and worship you and give you glory and praise. I pray, God, for a deep soulful healing amongst your church. I pray for our souls and our spirits to experience a revival, God. I pray that there would be that manifold grace to come to us so undeserved. I pray it would be a sweetness of dew of heaven would drop in front of us, God, and speak to us in the most ways that we yearn with all of our heart and all of our mind for you, God. I pray, God, for your purpose, Lord Jesus, for all of our lives in your church, God. I pray that that Pentecostal spirit would re release itself, God, that it be divine unto you to release the Holy Spirit, to baptize us, Lord God, with a fire, God that would burn deep in our hearts and our souls, Jesus. I pray, God, that you'd save us and save us from ourselves and our sin, our doubts and our shame and our guilt. Let there be a revival, a seal in our soul and our hearts, a truth. God, that we'd ponder the reality that we're seated with you in the heavenlies this very day and moment that our souls are being filled with you. God, that we would have the truth and knowledge that you desire only the best for us, that you are that good, good Father, that you desire to lead and guide us into waters that are overflowing, into wide places that do us no harm, that you desire a great protection, God, that you're moving. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and our souls, that it is unto you that you desire to answer every single prayer and to move in a powerful and mighty way, God, that we would know, that we would know, that we would know, and know, and know, and know truly without any doubt or fear any single hindrance that would ever come upon us, God, that these things would be yours. That we would be your children, God. That you would be our God. That you would be our Father, God. That we would be your kids. And so let this be true, God. In Jesus, your holy name, we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.